Good morning, good morning. Ain't it a great morning outside? I mean, it is beautiful. Hey, y'all, I'm a horticulturist, Felder Rushing, and for the next hour or so, here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting, we're going to talk about gardening. A lot of stuff going on this time of year. Spring is busting loose. There's some things you're tempted to do, and I would recommend putting them off if you can. Not, not like there's not plenty of it else to do. But for the next hour, we're just going to talk about it. Kind of cheesy tune, kind of an earworm going to throw, throw you away, but share a few emails. But it's a live program. So me and Java Chapman, Kevin Farrell, we're going to be taking your calls and talking about nothing but gardening. I don't sell anything. Doesn't matter to me what what you do, so we're going to go in any direction at all. Again, Felder Rushing, Mississippi Public Broadcasting Gestalt Gardener. For the next hour or so, we're going to get dirty. See you in just a minute after some news. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing. We're going to be talking about gardening for the next little while. And there's a lot of things going on right now. I'm going to announce a few of them. And if they're anywhere near your neck of the woods, I hope, hope you get a chance to participate. If something I'm uh, uh, doing something with, I hope to get to meet you. But uh, for the next hour, it's just talking about gardening, whatever you want to talk about. I mean, I've got agendas. I can talk for an hour. I'm a retired extension Horticulture. I can talk for 45 minutes about a pencil, okay? But if there's something on your mind, something you want to talk about, uh, it could be positive, it could be negative, it could be concerned. Maybe you heard something you're not sure about and you want to just, I mean, all I can do is give my opinion. It's professional and based on experience and training. But um, I'm not going to try to sell you anything. I'm not going to try to talk you into or out of anything. I'm just going to throw it out as if it just, uh, we're chatting, you know, at the coffee shop. That's all we're going to be doing next hour or so. And it is toll free. It's one eight seven. 877-MPB-RING, 877-MPB-RING. That's pretty much anywhere you are. Do the the, the one thing, one eight seven seven mp I guess, from the cell phone. I don't know if you have to do that or not. Uh, but, but again, we're just going to be talking about gardening. And if there's some things on your mind, uh, shoot me a, a, a phone call. By the way, you can also email us, garden at mpbonline.org. I've got a few things that... Um, uh, a couple that maybe I think I think there's three that I haven't answered yet because uh, I had to scratch my head on a couple of them, and there's a couple that I'm just not sure um, the best approach. But uh, I do try to get around to my emails at least every couple of three days when I'm gone. So anyway, if there's some things you want to talk about, shoot me an email. We're going to be talking about, or, or give me a call. And it's again toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring. Uh, we're going to start out right off the bat talking with Jim and Jackson. Hey Jim, good morning. Good morning, Felder. Jim Rosenblatt here. Howdy. Good to, good to hear from you. What's up? Well, our azaleas are starting to bloom, and I always look forward to that magnificent display. But uh-huh. after they finish blooming, I'm going to do some trimming, and I've had two bits of advice. Yeah. One says that you need to do a very careful trim, reaching down into the bush and cutting out selective uh, branches. And the other approach is to take my hedger and just give them a haircut. Uh and do you have any thoughts on that, or is that like crepe myrtles and you can go either way? Well, you can go either way. There, 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 there's a couple of considerations. If you cut them off just straight across, well, not straight across, like in a snow cone shape, you know, a, a curved right. top, 
uh, then they'll put out a nice little snow cone-shaped growth. They always put out growth right where you make a cut. So whether it's here or there or further down, wherever you make a cut, even a foot tall to something as big around as your arm, it's going to put out growth right there. So if you can do the snow cone uh, shape, cut it down below where you want it to grow back up to. Uh, and then come back a second time sometime in oh June or maybe early July and cut that new growth a little bit so it in turn bushes out instead of shooting up overhead. So if you're going to prune it in an overall shape, do it at least twice. One kind of hard and then again in the but before the middle of the summer so, uh, uh, so it's nice and smooth. The other thing is just reaching in. A lot of times you can reach in and make one cut that's got four or five tall things connected to it. So, you know, if you've just got kind of an informal look and it doesn't have to be nice and tight like a meatball, uh, it, it, a lot of times it's easier just going to make a few snips down in the shrub to get rid of the, 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 the tall stuff. And either way works. Uh, the second one takes a little bit more thought. It's a lot less work, though. Okay. Well, thank you very much, and I hope Ira does well on his deployment. I appreciate that. Thank you so much, Jim. Thanks, Felder. Uh, uh, that's uh, Dean Rosenblatt. Uh, my son is an uh, Army officer. He's uh, going to be deployed this weekend, so we'll all be thinking about him and all the other uh, folks who are uh, armed services who are being deployed. Let's go down to uh, Madison. Hey, Ruthie, good morning. Ruthie, hello. Hey, how are you today, I'm Felder? fine. What's going on? Well, I've got some damage from the freeze that we had week before last. Mm-hmm. Um, my azaleas were just looking like they were going to start blooming, and now they've browned at the ends. I've got a few sporadic blooms, but the foliage is looking bad, and mm-hmm. I just wondered what the best way to help the plants do. I just cut them back hard after these few blooms get through? Well, you or- could, or you could just ignore them. I mean, they'll put out new growth. It's not that big a deal. A lot of the stuff that got damaged is real tender. I even had a ligustrum. Ligustrum, or un- you can't kill a ligustrum with a dump truck full of ice. And the, <laughs> the new growth on mine got burned back a little bit. It doesn't okay. look that great, but, you know, I just take my glasses off when I go by, and it's not a big deal. So you could just ignore it, and new growth is going to come out later will be nice and clean. But if you want Okay. If you want to prune it, it's no problem doing that. I just wouldn't prune on azaleas or other spring bloomers past about the middle of the summer because they need time to set their flower buds by fall. No, I, w- I would do this pretty pretty quickly yeah, here now, just, but I'm going to let just, whatever, whatever blooms are there, just let them go and then trim it back a little. Yeah, and then if you got something, if you don't have anything else to do, you know, you can whack on them. If you do, don't worry about it. Okay. What about pittosporum? Because my husband had just cut back my pittosporum, and um, it looks... Real, the, 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 it's not healthy looking. It's not coming back out. A um, little, little bit, little bit it, early. A little bit early. A lot of plants are just now putting on this. You know, some plants put out okay, new growth okay. early, some a little bit later. I can't remember okay. about pittosporum. It's been a long time since I grew that because they, they, they got damaged really, really bad in a hard freeze of, of a few years back. But uh, anyway, they will put out new growth. Damage okay. is temporary with plants. Okay. Thank you so much, Phil. Okay, Ruthie. Hey, thanks for calling. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Number is toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. There are several events going on this weekend and coming up in this next week. I want to uh, give a shout-out about them. But meanwhile, let's go down to Tupelo, talk with uh, up to Tupelo. Hey, Charlie, good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you doing today? Fine, thank you. Good. I recently bought a new house, and the previous owners didn't get around to trimming off the hydrangeas. So uh-huh. I've got last year's bloom still there. Yeah. At this point in the year, is it okay to trim those off, or do you just need to let them hang out? Well, a couple of things. If they're the old-fashioned kind of hydrangeas, they bloom on the new growth that's going to come out. 
if it comes off of last year's twigs. So if you wanted to, you could prune them back, uh, follow the, 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 the stems from the end where the, little, the, the dried flower bracts are, follow that back to where they started a year ago. And as long as you leave about half of that, the, the, the growth that will come out a little bit later will bloom perfectly fine. And I know they've already got all sorts of new growth, but, you know, the, it, don't, don't worry about that. If you want to prune them back, just leave uh, some of last year's growth so uh, they'll still bloom this summer. Perfect. Thanks so much. Yeah. Uh, un, un, unsolicited advice, you can also just get some spray paint, spray paint those things and let the new growth come around <laughs> it. You know, it's just cosmetics. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> okay, Charlie. Thank you. Bye-bye. I'm going to be doing a couple of talks this next week. I hope some of y'all are, are able to come to them. Uh, one is I'm going to be at the – actually, today and tomorrow, I'm going to be in Mobile at their Festival of Flowers. This is a big one. This is like their 30th anniversary. I'm giving a talk at 2 o'clock this afternoon on growing herbs, all kinds of little useful culinary herbs in different kind of containers and combinations. I make it easy and fun as possible, just like I do it. I'm going to have my pickup truck there, which has herbs grow it, planted in the back of it. Uh, but that's going to be the Mobile Festival of Flowers. Hours, uh, at Providence Hospital. It's going to be at 2 o'clock today and again at 10 o'clock tomorrow, Saturday. So I hope you get there. And when I leave that, I'm headed straight up the road to Hattiesburg. I'm giving a program for the Arts Council. It's open to the public. They're having a, a, uh, a home-decorated birdhouse uh, competition. That's going to be at 2 o'clock. I'm going to be talking about yard art and birdhouses. It'll be a lot of fun. And then coming up uh, Tuesday evening, this is going to be a real fun. I love coming to towns like I was raised in. I'm going to be going up to Carrollton, which is between Greenwood and Winona. I know they get tired of hearing that because they're their own place. I'm going to be at the Carrollton uh, Community Center starting at 630 this coming Tuesday, 630 on uh, March the 26th. And then uh, floor plant swap on March the 28th, next Thursday morning. At, uh, at 9 in the morning. There's a couple of other things I want to give a, a shout-out about, but what's up? Oh, I was just going to come oh. in. You're you busy, man. Well, it's, this time of year, you know, it's you know, this time of year is getting and going. I've got whew, probably 30 different things over the next month or so. But, and then not not to mention our uh, meet-and-greets coming up in April. That's right. That's right. And uh, this could be one in Startville, one in Oxford, and one in Hattiesburg. In Hattiesburg. I'm going to be at all of those in my pickup truck. With the flowers, hey, give us a call one eight seven seven MPB ring. Meanwhile, let's talk to Lee in Madison. Hey, Lee, what you got going on? Oh, uh, Felder, I just wanted to let you know that the Madison County Master Gardeners are sponsoring the plant swap tomorrow morning, Saturday. Oh, I wish I'd known about that. That sounds fun. Well, it's at nine thirty at the library. Uh huh. Uh, and you've done these things many times, so oh, you know yeah. how that works. But everybody needs to bring. One well-rooted plant, and if they've got some more they want to give away, they can bring a few of those, too. Okay, that's going to be at the Madison Library at 9 on Saturday morning? Not 9.30. Oh, 9.30. Well, they need to get there at 9. You know how people are. That's right. That's a good idea. <laughs> okay. Hey, I wish I was going to make it. I'm going to be down in Mobile, but I hope you all have a real real good turnout. I wish you could be there, too. I've been at Prince Watch with you before. All righty, Lee. Appreciate it. Good announcement. Thank you. Thank you. All righty, so there's going to be a plant swap at the Madison Library on Saturday morning. It starts at 9.30. Get there early. Bring a good plant. Next Thursday morning at the Flora Library. As far as I know, this is the oldest continuous plant swap in the known universe. 9 o'clock next Thursday morning at the uh, Little Library in Flora, Mississippi. Going to head to Hattiesburg this afternoon and in the morning at the Festival of Flowers. Uh, excuse me, Mobile Festival of Flowers. 
in uh, Hattiesburg tomorrow afternoon. We're going to be talking about some more of that kind of stuff. But i got some callers on the line. We're going to be talking about horsetail fern and green giant plants and all sorts of stuff like that. Give me a call, won't you? one eight seven seven mpb ring I'm going to drink me a little bit of coffee and smell some of these flowers I stole on the walk-in this morning. And we'll talk about all that when we get back. Felder Rushing here at Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We'll be right back. All right, folks, welcome back. Horticulture's fellow Rush again. And by the way, this is uh, something I had fun the other day. I got, got to talk to Allison on, uh, uh, uh-oh, uh, car, what is it? Auto-correct. Auto Auto-correct, Allison. She's really, really cool. She's uh, the, the resident car expert, and uh, she actually rode around. She drove my pickup truck first time a lady's ever driven my pickup truck and it was kind of fun i think i wouldn't mind doing that but anyway she drove it around and we talked she talked about my brakes and i took it in and had them fixed all it needed was some fluid thank you so much i asked her what is the quintessential tool that every car owner should have in their their glove box their glove compartment and she said screwdrivers flathead and uh, phillips head screwdriver i'm thinking i don't what do you i don't know what to use a screwdriver for is it i could stab a snake with it while i was standing in the side of the road waiting for a repair person to come up and uh, then we agreed that the best thing that everybody should have would be an air uh, a, a tire air pressure gauge only does one thing does it beautifully comes in handy and uh, that's a nice little quintessential tool so anyway got some other things to talk about but let's go to um to Vicksburg. Hey, Joel. Hey, I appreciate you holding. What's going on? Good morning, Felder. I wanted to ask a question. Yeah. I had a had a flower bed just totally taken over by horsetail fern. Oh boy! And I, yeah, and I got I got a tiller and tilled it up. Tried to get rid of of all of them. <laughs> that, that didn't is, work. <laughs> it, okay, <laughs> that's what I was going to ask you. I didn't know if I if I should maybe try to come back and put some kind of uh, you know, two four D or something like that down there to uh, before I try to put some plants in there. You know, here's here's my take. First of all, if you till it up really good, you got rid of most of it, and what little what will come back will be from little small pieces that aren't connected. So they'll be fairly easy to pull this first year before they get rooted and start to spread. So what I would do, if you tilled it and, and got most of it out, I would just go in and plant stuff, and then every chance, every time you think about it, just bend over, pull a few out, and drop them on the ground, and you will peter them out pretty quickly that way. 2,4-D is a commonly used herbicide, but it's not safe for the garden. It will kill stuff around it. So if you're going to use a weed killer, and I, I'd, I'd rather people didn't have to, but if you're going to, let's use something that's not going to poison nearby plants or the soil, something like Roundup. But none of that's going to work on horsetail. This stuff uh, outlived... As a, it outlived whatever killed the dinosaurs. Okay, <laughs> I mean it's a it's a really sturdy and it's got a lot of silica and doesn't respond to weed killers like like what I call vascular plants, more you know modern type plants. So I would just pull it up as best you can. The first summer you'll have a little bit here and there. The next year practically none. Okay, okay, Bella, could I ask one more question? Sure. Uh, I had seen on the internet about uh, mixing up some some spray uh, vinegar. Epsom salt, soap, things like that. Does, yep. that. does that work Work okay? Nope. Okay. People are going to come up with all sorts of homework. They're going to reach for Epsom salts is fine, but plants need tiny, tiny bits of the uh, of the element that's in it. And the, these are people who who can't say, 
don't worry about it. They got to come up with something, and a lot of it is what I call hoodoo science. So it's really, really not big. And there's a lot of them out there. Do they work? Eh, A little bit sometimes, occasionally for some people. But uh, are they really helpful? Nope. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Felder. Oh, one other thing, Joel. You know uh, that stuff is uh, the horsetail fern is also also called scouring rush because you can get a handful of it and make your pots and pans shiny as can be. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Just saying. Just saying. So you clean up your your shovel with it after you dig some up. Grab a handful, scrub it on your shovel, and make it nice and shiny again. I'll do that. Thank you so much. Good luck on it, Joel. All right, and now let's go to Memphis, Tennessee. Memphis, Tennessee, is it Bashar? Bashar? Yeah, yeah, good morning. Howdy, what's up? Uh, I planted some uh, green giant arborvitae. Yep. Uh, used them as uh, sort of like fencing. Uh, planted them uh, in October of last year. Right. And and the the branches, the top branches, seem to be browning, you know. And yeah. I, uh, when you look at the center, you know, uh, take them off and, and look inside the tree. Yeah. Still a lot of green. Yeah. But the the top and the and the you know high branches. Um, yeah. And and the surface, you know. Yeah. It's sort of like brownish. Uh, should I worry about this? Uh, well, yes and no. For one thing, that's that was last year's growth, okay? The stuff that, that grew the latter part of last year is what you're looking at right now. And because you just transplanted them, uh, if, you know, when you first set new plants out, their roots get damaged a little bit, you know, so they're not able to transport water and stuff like that to the leaves. Also, they're more susceptible to staying a little too wet or a little too dry because they're grown in pots. And when they're watered in pots, the extra water runs out of the hole in the bottom, and it doesn't happen with a, when you put them in the ground. So they might have stayed a little extra wet, or they might have gotten a little dry. They might have dried out in the sun and the wind over the wintertime. But uh, right. whatever causes leaves to dry out quicker than roots can resupply them is going to cause that browning. So t- three things to do. First of all, don't worry that much about it. Try not to overwater the plants. Give them a good soaking every couple of three weeks at the most, but a really good soaking. Uh, And then the new growth that comes out this spring is going to come out at the ends of that brown stuff, so the new growth should come out looking nice and pretty, and the brown stuff will be be hidden. So uh, the main thing is don't let them stay dry. Try not to keep them wet. And let me ask you one thing, though. Um, When you planted them, did you put them in nice wide holes or just stick them in the ground? Uh, I kept... uh Probably a couple of inches on each side. I mean, there were some of them were really big. I'm okay. About 10, 10 12 okay. Uh, let's, feet. Uh, yeah. Let, let's 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 do this. So go outside the original hole. If you can remember where they were, take a shovel and go outside. You don't have to to dig it, but just outside the original hole, go all the way around it and stick the shovel straight in and pull back a little bit, just to sort of fracture it, sort of like the spokes of a wheel, you know, to make it where instead of a round, smooth hole, they got uh, like uh, cracks going outward, radiating out like rays of a sun. Uh, this will okay. help the, the water that's being kept around their roots escape. Instead of being I in see. just a tight pot, they'll be able to seep into the soil around it. Cause it could very well be they're just staying a little too wet. Okay. That'll help them get roots further on out away from that little small hole. All right. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Good luck on it. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. Okay. Let's go to uh, to Bude, Mississippi. Is it Elvia? What's going on in Bude? Elvia. Elvia. What's up? Okay. Now I got a couple of prior trees I planted. uh, I got a kefir and an orient. Yeah. Those are good Uh, ones. 
uh, will they crawl upon each other? Uh, yes and no, they will, but it's not going to affect the fruit, only the seeds. Okay. Yeah. Cross- so I, don't, I, don't, I don't need something else to uh, another pollinator, huh? No, as, as a matter of fact, the Orient and Kiefer are both the rare self-pollinating. Uh, you know, the, the most pairs need cross-pollination, but Kiefer will do itself and uh, Orient will do itself. So you got two good varieties Two that one's a good eating pair, one's a good cooking pair. Both of them are fairly resistant to diseases. They'll pollinate themselves. Okay, that's what I need to know. Oh, I want to ask you something. How long have they been in the ground? Uh, about two weeks. Okay. Did you prune them back when you set them out? No, I didn't. <laughs> you know, listen, I, I'm not trying to get in your business here because you may have somebody who's going to holler at you, but there's not a commercial uh, pear grower on earth who would not prune those plants back to about three feet tall. Every, okay. every single one of them would do it. The only people who don't are people who think you, you're paying for all that tree. What you're paying for is fruit down the road. If you'll cut it back, they'll be sturdier, stockier. They'll be easier to pick. They'll actually have more fruit quicker. So I, I go out, if somebody cares what you do, do it when they're not looking. But cut it back to about three feet tall. Okay, my man. You it's it's going to half kill you. But it's going to help the trees. Trust me on this. All right. <laughs> Good luck on it. All righty, folks. Horticulture's fell to rushing. Uh, Java, it's been kind of crazy. Hey, I sold some more plants coming in. You know, I walk, sometimes I walk all the way. That's two miles. Sometimes I park on this side of the interstate because it's just scary walking along the front of each road. And but, one, the one thing about these flowers you brought in today, and I told you, yeah, they were quite fragrant. Yeah, I mean, notice Rob, and it's a, it's a real weird, real sweet smell. Yeah. But these are one is a big yellow thing, one is a pink, two tone pink, and one is uh, yellow and orange. These are native azaleas. They grow out in the woods. Uh, they're big plants. They're not like the azaleas you see around you know people's houses. Uh, those are evergreen. These plants are small, large shrubs, small trees. They drop their leaves in the winter, so they're blooming right now with no leaves, and they are so delicate and airy. And get this, they are loaded with hummingbirds and stuff. So, and they smell good. And yeah, no, they smell they smell really good. I mean, you brought in some things that weren't quite as fragrant, yeah. but I could I, I could tell those as soon as you brought hey, them in. It's a pretty enough little bouquet. Can we put this on a podcast? Yeah, if you could. Okay. You just we'll, bring them back here. We'll, we'll, we'll do that. <laughs> Native azaleas. There's pink ones. There's red ones. There's white ones. There's yellow ones. There's orange ones. I got three different kinds, and uh, uh, they're just terrific native plants. They need... Good drainage, so typically you see them growing on a slope in the woods. You rarely see them along a fence row out in the middle of nowhere. Think dogwoods. That's where they normally grow. Uh, you can grow them in the full sun if you got good dirt and dig a nice wide hole. Uh, but they uh, they don't have a real strong root system like a, a nandina or a holly or something. So wide hole, a little bit of organic matter, or plant them on a slope in the woods. They are fantastic plants. Um, by the way... Um, I talked to Libby Hartfield. She was here the other day for Creature Comfort, and uh, I told her that I saw my first hummingbird and my first monarch butterfly. They're headed this way, and uh, hummingbirds follow this native plant called uh, red buckeye. They bloom all out in the woods. The hummingbirds follow those from the coast all the way up into New England and Canada. So if you've got buckeyes, yeah, put it this way, hummingbirds are back, monarchs are back, and uh, Libby said lightning bugs are, are out there. 
fireflies, lightning bugs, fireflies, whatever you want to call it, lightning bugs, that works. Anyway, I appreciate having folks like that here at MPB, uh, her and Allison and all the other folks who bring such a diverse amount of talent uh, to people tuning in to Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Hey, let's go to Ridgeland and talk with Laurie before we do a cheesy tune. Hey, Laurie. Yes, hey. Howdy, what's up? Well, I want to find out if there are any plants that could possibly keep snakes away. Nope. That's what I thought. <laughs> and neither will lime, and neither will mothballs and any of that kind of stuff. The only thing that keeps snakes away is is either smooth dirt or grass where they don't like crawling across open spaces because birds want to eat them. But uh, no, they're no snake repellent plant. Never have been. And okay. Does it, does it make your skin crawl just talking about it? No. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't want them. That's right. I guard have with too the, many. I guard with a little uh, with a little stick, and I just make noise because they don't they they don't like me more than you may not like them. Uh, do you know what kind of snakes you you might have come across? Oh yeah, water moccasins. Ouch! Those are uh-huh. the ones I would. You know, they got that real distinctly fat necked, uh, arrowhead shaped. Head, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of little snakes out there that that are they're good guys, and I try to lead them away. Copperheads, nope, can't garden around them. Right. So anyway, sorry about long answer. Nope, nothing. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> you bet. Well, we got to cut to the chase here. And then people, well, you try this and try that and try that. No, I'm not into trying, folks. Here's what I learned. Here's what I've been taught. Here's what I've observed. Here's what I've looked up. And there's not any snake repellent plant. But if it makes you feel better, put mothballs and lime around your yard. Go for it. Make you feel better. And that's 90% of the battle. Uh, by the way, this is a really stupid thing. We're going to bring got some cheesy music. But uh, I found out something this week that blew me away. Humpty Dumpty wasn't an egg. And nowhere does it mention Humpty Dumpty was an egg. <laughs> okay, I'm just throwing that out. I tell you what, let's calm down, listen to some cheesy music, and we're going to come back with your phone calls here at Mississippi Public Broadcasting. I'm Horticulture's Felder Rushy, me and Java Chapman, Kevin Farrell in there uh, greeting the calls. We'll be right back.
Okie doke, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fellow rushing. Hope you got that little earworm plant. Man knows where the plants do grow. Really cheesy. Hey, I'm looking forward to seeing some of y'all uh, this afternoon at Mobile, the Festival of Flowers. I'm going to be there at 2 o'clock talking about easy, fun, useful culinary herbs in a wide variety of containers. Uh, also, I'm going to be giving that same program tomorrow morning at the Festival of Flowers in Mobile. It's at Providence Hospital. It's real easy to get to. Uh, I'm going to be there at 10 o'clock in the morning. And uh, then when I get off of that, I'm scooting straight up the road to uh, to Hattiesburg giving a program for the Hattiesburg Arts Council on yard art. They've got a birdhouse contest, and I've got about bird, two birdhouses in with the herbs planted in the back of my truck. Uh, Tuesday evening, 6.30, Carrollton Community uh, House. Uh, Carrollton, Mississippi is right off Highway 82. It's in Carrollton, not North Carrollton. It's pretty in, so I thought you, uh, the people are there, it does make a difference. Uh, and then the Flora Plant Swap at 9 o'clock next Thursday morning. There's a plant swap in the... Uh, Madison Library uh, tomorrow morning at, at 9.30. Some other things coming up, nothing real soon, but next Friday night, a week from tonight, I'm going to be giving a program at the library in Kiln, the Kiln, K-I-L-N. Uh, that's going to be Friday evening, and then the very next morning, I'm going to be doing a program at the library in Bay St. Louis. So Gulf Coast people over on the western side, Kiln Library, Friday evening. Uh, Bay St. Louis Library, Saturday morning. Got some other stuff coming up, uh, but there are a couple of weeks off, so we got plenty of time to talk about that. But I'm going to be doing a thing in Meridian. I'm going to be doing a thing in uh, New Albany, Winona, Walnut Grove, Clarksdale, um, Oxford. We got plenty of stuff. Tupelo. Gonna be scooting around. So, if you want some uh, a list of some of these kind of things, shoot me an email. I'll be glad to send it to you. It's not a whole lot, but might be a lot to remember. Um, anyway, the uh, uh, email is garden at mpbonline.org. Uh, you want to give us a call? We've got the lines just open wide up, uh, and uh, it's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING, MPB-RING. Um, I was talking about some of the native plants that the um, hummingbirds like. Uh, in general, the native woodland-type plants, because this is a woodland part of the world. Before we cleared it out and made towns and farms and you know fields and all like that, it was woodland. So a lot of the plants that attract the native wildlife are native woodland plants. These native azaleas, beautiful flowers, bright yellow, very fragrant, pink, orange, red, uh, but also the native red buckeye. So it's, it's a small tree. Has spikes of red flowers, look like big red salvias. Hummingbirds are ju- just drip off of them. And when they start blooming on the Gulf Coast, as they flower uh, north, slowly northward, every couple of weeks they move a, a 100 miles or 150 miles or so north. As they bloom, the hummingbirds follow them north. And so those of us who have red buckeyes have got hummingbirds. Those of you who don't have red buckeyes, you can borrow some of our hummingbirds. Put your hummingbird feeder out because they're in town. Doesn't have to have red water. You don't have to add the food color, but something that's red will attract them at first. Uh, my experience, one of the very best butterfly and hummingbird plants from my garden is, believe it or not, a blue flower. It's a perennial salvia. Uh, the salvias come back every year. Uh, they start blooming fairly early. They bloom all summer and fall. And hummingbirds and butterflies just love them. Uh, give us a call if there's some things you want to chat about. 
toll-free 1-877-MPB-RING. I want to throw out just a couple of other things going on. I mentioned that that I'm doing a lot of programs at at libraries and garden clubs and community centers, but they're going to have a festival in New Albany uh, April the 6th, and I'm doing a program up there in the afternoon. But that morning, uh, they have a a big new building, uh, the Arts Building, uh, downtown Meridian. You can't miss it. Soon pull off the interstate. It's a beautiful, huge bill. It's called the Max, M-A-X. Uh, I'm doing a plant swap there. Uh, I guess well, that would be uh, two weeks, two weeks from now. Going to be doing a plant swap uh, and uh, going to scoot across the street and talk to the folks at the farmer's market. That's going to be a whole lot of fun. They've never done something like this at the Max. So uh, and it's got got a whole lot of very interesting place. Uh, so hope to, hope to see some of y'all there on Saturday, April the sixth, and then that afternoon in New Albany at their uh, their home and garden festival. Anyway, have you have you been up to the Max uh, Felder? I have, I have. Matter of fact, they have a display of me. Oh wow! <laughs> they got one of my little bottle trees and and a pair of gloves and and uh, a couple of my books and all. Because I know that Jim Henson um, exhibit is up there. Yeah, and I wouldn't mind going to see that. It's, it's a cool place. I mean, it's it's all, all sorts of interactive stuff. It's multiple levels. They have a big sound stage where they have all sorts of concerts and stuff. It's a cool place. It's it uh, and I shouldn't say this because I'm from Mississippi and I'm proud of Mississippi, but I'm really surprised we got something that nice <laughs> wow, in Mississippi because okay, okay. it's really really nice. You know, it's uh, stay there beyond what we had to have. Uh, but anyway, look forward to that. Uh, if you want to give us a call, toll-free 1-877-MPB-RING. Let's slide over to Louisiana. And, uh, nope, Timothy, is he there yet? Ain't got it put put up yet. Don't push any buttons. Tell me when I can push this button. It's just going a little a little too fast, but we're going to get Timothy uh, on the line. <laughs> okay. Uh, here we go. It looks like he's on the line now. Timothy, are you there? Hello. Hey, what's going on? Hey, who? Good morning to you. What's the best soil type uh, for cannabis production in the south? The best what kind of what kind of plant? Soil type. Soil type. It's just a weed. It growing any kind of dirt, but you didn't. Hit, you know, I. But it's not that big a deal. It's just a weed. All right. But be be careful. It's against the law. That's it. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. In in Louisiana, Mississippi, just be cool about it. Okay. <laughs> Let's move on to Chris up in Oxford. Hey, Chris. Good morning. Chris, you there? Oh. Okay. There's a little red thing with a slash through it. Wait till that turns to green and blinky. There we go. Green and blinky. Chris, are you there from Oxford? Hi, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. I've got bifocals. They put all these buttons right at my bifocal line. <laughs> What's going on? Well, I actually I live at the bottom of a hill yeah? and I uh, don't have a lot of grass in my front yard and I'm trying to remedy that um, and uh, talked with the landscape guy and said that uh, it would be good to stay about 10 feet away from the base of the trees yeah. uh, with some, uh, some flowers or, or vegetation or something. And I was wondering... You know, I got a lot of shade right there. You know, what would be the best plan for me to to do? Oh yeah, it's a, it's a good good question. It's a real common thing too, Chris. And and my hats off to the landscaper telling the truth about it. In my forty something years of experience, after studying turf management at Mississippi State, I have yet to see a single success story of getting grass 
started in the shade. So he gave us some good advice. Um, as far as what to plant under, start off with just mulch, leaves, bark, whatever, but make the place brown, okay? So you have green grass and brown mulch. And that'll do two things. First of all, right off the bat, it makes the grass look better. It makes it distinct, a distinct shape. But also, mm-hmm. it helps improve the soil for whatever you want to plant there because as the, the mulch decomposes, it improves the dirt so your ground covers can grow better. Buys you some time. Buys you some time and, and improves the dirt. And if you're right around Oxford, uh, you'll see, and, and just look at what people are using in the shade. You'll see uh, English ivy, which works great. You'll see, and don't worry about it killing the trees. It won't. I know people say it will, but it won't. Uh, they'll, you'll see Asiatic jasmine, and you'll see monkey grass, either the little stuff called mondo grass or the bigger stuff called liriope or liriope. But the monkey grass, Asiatic jasmine, and ivy. Those are your best to start with to fill up space. But let, let me throw this out, though, from a landscaping point of view, and I do this a lot. If you'll make a distinct line where the grass is here, the brown mulch is there. That line creates a visual effect, and it makes the grass look better. But think about this. Instead of making the shade garden the shape, make the lawn the shape. You know, uh, lay it out so that the lawn is, the, is the, the primary shape, and it'll stand out like a gem, like a throw rug, rather than default, if that makes sense. Absolutely. It's a different Absolutely. way of looking at it, but it makes all the difference. If the green is the dominant, make that the shape and let the flower beds be the default instead of the other way around. Excellent. Well, I appreciate it. First time, long time. You're doing a great job. I appreciate it. Hey, shoot me an email. We can get a little bit more detail that way. But I, I work a lot. I do a lot of garden consultations with, with shade stuff, and there's some really cool stuff. And by the way, I'm going to be in Oxford uh, next month, so uh, l- l- hopefully see you there. I'm going to be at the library. Absolutely, I just heard you saying that, and that it spurred my spurred my my phone coming out to call you. Well, welcome, appreciate it, man. All right, thanks. All righty, again, if you want to shoot me an email, if you need more detail, or if you want to, you know, some of my recommendations set people's teeth on edge because it's not what they want to hear, or not what they approve of, or whatever. And I try to be uh, respectful of people's different approaches. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this: uh, garden opinions are like toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> some people roll towards the wall some people roll away from the wall and nobody's going to change their minds but it really doesn't matter <laughs> how'd I do on that one Java <laughs> I'll accept <laughs> your eyes were going you got eyes got real big there <laughs> you know whether you prune your crepe myrtles or not it's like rolling toilet paper I don't care towards the wall away from the wall just if you don't like us don't go to somebody else's house and change the roll around okay <laughs> I'm Horticulture's Felder Rushing. We've got some lines open. One eight seven seven MPB ring. We'll be right back with more right after this. All righty, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's Felder Rushing. A lot of things going on starting this weekend. I'm going to uh, give them a one more shout before it's over. But let's start out by talking with Bob. In Hattiesburg. Hey, Bob, what's up, sir? How you doing, Felder? So, I got a problem. Yeah. And um, other others in my neighborhood have the same issue. It uh, seems like all the hawthorn shrubs that we have around the foundation mm-hmm. of our houses are just turned brown. Yeah. Never 
Oh, there's a, there's a couple a couple of things. One is that late freeze we got browned the foliage of a lot of plants, in, including. I, I think we must. Did I, I push some button? Keep your fingers off the button. Bob is gone, but I hope you're still listening, Bob. Here's the deal. The new growth, the real tender stuff of a lot of plants, including unkillable ligustrum, turned brown because of that late freeze. It's not that big a deal. They should still flower perfectly well. Uh, They'll put out new growth that will cover up the old stuff, so I wouldn't worry that much about it. If it all happened at once... Uh, you know, that's what that's going to be, that late cold snap. We do have a disease that affects uh, Indian hawthorns. It's very common on red-tipped photinias, but I guess on Indian hawthorns, it's called little, little round uh, spots on the leaves, real dark spots, and it can cause the entire leaves to turn uh, brown and shed. But if this is happening all over the place, happening at once, this could be that late frost. Not that big a deal. I would not prune them because they, they bloom on... On uh, the stuff that's already out there. If you prune them, they go this year's flowers. So let's just kind of ignore it. If everybody's in that same boat, everybody can sort of hold their heads up and say, well, it's just what Indian hawthorns do. They're brownifolia, uh, springy brownifolia. That's the Latin name of. <laughs> okay, let's go to uh, Brenda calling from Pascagoula. Hey, Brenda, good morning. Hi. Um, first of all, I'm in my car taking my cat to the vet, so please. Ignore her. Okay. Um, <laughs> sorry. I have a dogwood tree that I've had in a large, large pot for about three years. Mm-hmm. And I planted it about three weeks ago. Actually, I had uh, a friend plant it. Right. And it's a, the crown is supposed to be at the um, at the level or a little above of yeah. the... Uh, well, he planted it a little too deep. No, um, that'll, that'll kill it. That'll kill okay, it, Okay, I'll have to redig it. Um, <laughs> My brother-in-law told me that I could not grow a dogwood tree in the swampy dirt in Pascagoula, so I'm trying to prove him wrong. Well, Uh, unfortunately, the the dogwood is going to be a victim in this little argument here. Dogwoods don't grow in low-wet areas, but here's what you can do, Brenda. Have them bring in some, some real dirt, not a bunch of potting soil and stuff, but some real dirt. And topsoil, yeah, topsoil oh. with a oh. little with a little peat moss or other stuff added to it. Dig a wide hole and add stuff to your native dirt. Spread this okay. stuff on top and then stir it in with your native dirt. So it's like a low pit baseball pitcher's mound, four, sure. five, six inches in the middle over about three or four feet, and plant the dogwood high in that with the dirt mounted up to it, mm-hmm. and that'll put the crown up above the ground around it. Okay, I've been so worried since he did that. Um, well, do- do- dogwoods aren't easy. They're they're one of the most difficult new plants for the garden. But if you'll if you'll mount it up again, maybe four feet across, five or six inches in the middle, and then there's one other thing, Brenda. Find somebody who's got a dogwood that's doing okay. Mm-hmm. Dig some of the dirt right, the shallow dirt up under it, and mix it into your dirt. It sounds kind of oh, okay. weird, but there's a stuff in, in soil called mycorrhizae that some plants depend on. Dogwood's one of those plants. So if you'll get some dogwood dirt under a mature tree, mix it in with your, you don't have to do it right away, but sometime right. this year, that'll inoculate your soil with that real important little stuff called mycorrhizae that r- really does help dogwoods. Okay, spell that word, micro what? M-Y-C-C, and take it from there. If you Google M-Y-C-C-H, mycorrhizae, uh, anyway, dogwood dirt, that's how I spell it. Okay. Okay. Um, 
so do I need to quickly uh, replant it? Yes. If, it's, if, okay. if it stays really, really wet, it's, it's going because it's used to that drainage in the pot and doesn't mm-hmm. have that in your dirt. It, well, it had shells in the bottom of the pot, like seashells. Yeah. So it gave it a little, you know, yeah, little yeah. air. Well, but, see, little but, but see, they ain't there anymore. So ra- wide no. hole, raised up, little dogwood dirt, and then take it from there. And but, okay. hug your cat. I can't you, let it. Again, your cat's having a miserable time. Bye. <laughs> no, bye bye. <laughs> Thank you. Ah, let's go now to uh, Memphis, Tennessee. Hey, Jerry. Good morning, sir. Yes, sir. You said a while back. Uh, about putting vinegar on eggshells to help dissolve better so the plants can use them. What, what, kind, what kind of ratio should you use for that? Uh, well, you know, eggshells don't break down quickly and the into the kind of calcium that plants use. So the vinegar converts the calcium to a plant usable calcium. It doesn't take very much. If you grind the eggshells up a pretty good bit, just cover them with vinegar. It foams and fizzes. It goes nuts. But then you can use the, the eggshells no problem. So you don't have to dissolve them, all right? Oh, no, no, no. Uh, all you wanted that vinegar, that the, the acidic acid, it converts the calcium into a usable plant type of calcium. All right, one more question, please. Uh, I like to take and save my cardboard that I get in packages and stuff. Yeah. Pull all the plastic off it and put that under the ground, on the ground around my trees and stuff, and put my lawn clippings on the top of that. Is that is that a problem or is no, that it's, okay? No, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, you know, it's basically uh, flattened out tree leaves, is what, you know, so it, it's perfectly okay. Um, if you're going to put it around shrubs and other things, you know, I, you know, I wouldn't lay it on too thick because uh, temporarily it can keep water from getting down to the roots. But it's perfectly fine. Well, you're a pleasure to listen to, and, and I support MPB and... Uh, Thank you very much for being here. For you us, bet, sir. Jerry. Appreciate your call. Thanks so much for the compliment, too. We do have fun here at MPB. Now let's go up to uh, to Wayne and call it for Walls, Mississippi. Wayne, you can't get much further north of Mississippi than Walls, Mississippi. That's correct. What's up? How are you today? Fine. What well, can I, I'm wondering, now I've had four or five different uh, people come out and spray for weeds up my yard. Yeah. And it doesn't get any better. So anyway, I remember my grandfather used to burn his uh, yard down to black ash every mm. springtime. Yep. And then it would grow back green. Didn't look like now. That's when I was a kid. I, I didn't know much about no weeds being in there, but it didn't right. look like the weeds was in there. Right. So is that a good remedy to get rid of some weeds, and, and is it beneficial to do to the lawn? Well, first of all, keep in mind that I remember people used to, to burn their lawns off, too. But then I studied turf management. Burning, it really kicks your grass hard. It's not a good thing to do. Bermuda grass will come back from the roots. Other grasses won't. But uh, it's never a good idea to burn the grass off. It, it, you know, but at the same time, that's what you did. That's before we had a lot of TV and radio and Internet stuff. It was did it for entertainment and to get away from Mama for a few minutes. You know what I'm saying? Correct. But but it actually hurts the grass. Here's the deal with your weeds, though. In a nutshell, killing spraying weeds doesn't control weeds. It just kills a few temporarily. But if you've got a bunch of weeds, that tells me your grass is thin, which, by the way, burning thins it out even more. If you'll spend this summer getting your grass a little bit thicker, a little bit healthier, a little bit of fertilizer next month, not this month, next month a little bit of fertilizer, and raise your mower up a notch, your grass will get thicker. You'll have fewer weeds. Those are the main weed controls. The herbicides are just sort of like brushing mosquitoes off. More are going to come back. 
See, right, so right. and a spray spraying for weeds is not good weed control; it's just temporary abatement. So I, when I, you say when you say raising the lawnmower up a notch, what is the height that I should be what, what, leaving my grass when I cut? What, what kind I'm of gra- about two inches now? What kind of grass you got? Oh God, I don't know. I got I got as much grass as I got weeds. I, I reckon, so. <laughs> well, somewhere in the middle, you know. Different right. grasses have preferred heights. You know, Bermuda grass likes to be cut close, but if you don't water and fertilize and all that stuff, it's going to get thin. So let's just say mow it at a medium setting and just don't don't set fire to it. Besides that, uh, the neighbors are definitely going to call the, the the fire department on you. Well. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a di- there's a proud but tacit difference between not caring and not letting right. it bother you. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's what I'm trying to say. Okay. Well, good luck on it, man. We got the scoot. Okay, real quick, folks. Uh, I'm headed to the as soon as I get off the air. I'm headed to Mobile to the um, Mobile uh, Flower Show. The Festival of Flowers is going to be there at two o'clock today and 10 o'clock in the morning talking about herbs easy fun herbs that even kids can grow uh i'm going to hattiesburg for two o'clock tomorrow afternoon talking about yard art for the mississippi arts council Six thirty next tuesday at the carrollton community center carrollton mississippi then uh, floral plant swap at nine o'clock on next thursday morning after that We'll talk about that next week, but I'm going to be on the Gulf Coast Friday evening, next Friday evening uh, in Kiln, and next Saturday, Bay St. Louis. Got some other stuff coming up that'll get us by for today. Hey, the uh, Gestalt Gardener is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. My awesome producer, Java Chapman. Phone greeter in there, Kevin Farrell. You know, these are big wigs here at MPB, and they take time from their schedule to help us get this garden party rolling. We appreciate that. You can tune in all week long to MPB, listen to a wide variety of topics. Uh, if you've got gardening questions, shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. Meanwhile, if you get a chance, take a kid to a farmer's market or a neighbor, young neighbors, that works, or take them to a garden center and just show them how to do what we do best, folks, and that's get dirty. See y'all next week.